Coming soon from Milieu Media Group. You know, when we were kids, we all learned this one particular song, mm-hmm. and it's head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees, knees and, and toes. toes. And what we do is what we skip over. If you think about the actual physical motion, we touch the head, we touch the shoulders, we touch the knees, and then we touch the toes. Don't touch anything in the middle. And don't you dare touch anything that is chest all the way down to the knees. Upper thigh. And so we're missing all the fun parts. All the fun parts. Yeah. All the fun parts. And the all reality, the best bits. All the best bits. Oh, yeah. The fun parts. <laughs> Over the entire torso, it includes breast. Yes, because the go breast, shoulders, well. shoulders, all, all the way, down. way so to the knees. It is, it is for all genders. Wow, what a bummer! We don't know culturally how to talk about sex. Sexuality or sexual elements become dirty. Dirty, unspoken, hidden away, and unacknowledged. So what are we doing? We're producing a show then. We're just going to try to talk about sex. We're going to talk honestly and openly about the fun parts. Be curious together. We're going to ask questions. We're going to probably cry at times. And sometimes, you know what? We're just going to have fun with wondering about some of the mystery that goes with those fun parts. Hmm. That sounds nice. I think there's going to be joy. There's going to be laughter. There are going to be tears. And the reality is, is there's going to be a whole lot of innuendo weird words that are going to come out of our mouth that we're going to go oh that seems sexual doesn't it so the invitation then is for everyone to join us we're going to embark on a conversation that is uncomfortable for some of us more comfortable for others and the invitation is for everyone every sexual orientation of every gender Place identity life, of every, single married divorced yes race shape and age everyone So if you have access to this podcast right now, this invitation is for you to join us on this journey, exploring the relationship between sexuality and spirituality. Fun Parts! Hey friends, peeps, my people, (laughs) welcome to This Good Word. I'm Steve Weens, your host. As always, and I really do hope you check out Fun Parts, this new podcast exploring spirituality and sexuality that I'm a part of. Uh, It drops on August 5th, and every Wednesday from there on for the next 10 or 11 weeks, there will be a new episode. And the conversations that we have between the five of us are really, really expansive and rich. I hope if you grew up in purity culture or you are struggling to reconcile your sexuality with the Bible or spirituality, I really hope you'll take a listen. So search for Fun Parts anywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay, today I want to talk about the vital importance of learning to listen to your inner wisdom. Have you ever wondered why you get stuck You have a gut feeling about something, about a decision you have to make or about a certain relationship that maybe is getting toxic uh, and you have an inner voice, something that's more than words. It is maybe words. It's a feeling. It's a thought. And it comes from somewhere deep down, subterranean level, and it's telling you something. And have you ever wondered why we listen to that voice seemingly the last? Like we, we trust it the least. We listen to lots of other voices, lots of other people's opinions about 
what we should do, what we shouldn't do, who we should hang out with, uh, who we should trust. And there's something about ourselves maybe that is seemingly wired up to not trust that inner wisdom, that inner voice. And maybe it comes from this weird verse in the Bible. I remember it's, it's so bizarre. It's just a little sentence. Uh, but I remember hearing it a lot. It's from one of the prophets, Jeremiah. This is in the Hebrew scriptures, chapter 17, verse 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I sort of, I don't know, I don't know where I got this teaching, probably the church, maybe my family. I honestly can't remember, but I do remember hearing it a lot. And I remember translating it as if, yeah, like, like the last place I would want to go for wisdom is like deep down inside me. Like I can't trust it. Um, and so maybe that's where that, that comes from. But I want to say that, um, actually we need to return to our inner wisdom, to trust it, to find that quiet and still voice that is speaking to us in ways that sometimes is life-saving. So I'll give you an example. There was a time many years ago that I was, my wife, Mary and I, we didn't have kids yet. We moved uh, across country for a job that I thought I really wanted. And it turned out um, for reasons that I still don't really know, uh, just to not be a good fit for me. Uh, some of it was the actual job itself. I didn't have a lot of passion for. Some of it was the environment itself. It was pretty good, actually. And actually, I think pretty healthy. But it just, for some reason, I didn't, I felt like I couldn't breathe in that environment. And I felt it like right away from day one on the job. I remember having this sinking feeling that I had made this terrible mistake. And that was what I now believe is my inner wisdom speaking. But of course, I didn't trust it. I mean, what are you going to do? You've, you've sold your house. You've moved across country. You've bought a house. You're starting to make a life. You're not going to quit on day one. Um, but as the days and weeks and months went by, that sense of sort of deepening, darkening despair and, and this, this just really strong sense that I did not fit. I was getting more and more depressed. And so it finally came about a year into it. It finally came to a head. And I remember Mary looking at me and just saying, honey, you just say the word. I'll, I'll pack up this house and, and, and you quit and we'll move. And I remember thinking like, wow, really? Like I, I felt so loved and, and so supported um, in that moment. But there was another person I remember that was really saying like, no, you, this is exactly the time that you need to stick it out. You know, this is, this is tough. I'm not going to deny that, but, um, you know, it seems like you turning tail and running is just like the last thing you should do. What you really need to do is learn what you need to learn. You need to stick it out. And, you know, sometimes that's really good advice. I mean, maybe you've gotten that advice at times and it's been exactly what you needed, right? I mean, who's going to argue with 
with that, really. I mean, and I think at times, again, that can be exactly what you need to hear because sometimes it, it isn't time to leave and it isn't time to quit. Uh, but I'm going to fire back to sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. And, and how do you know? Well, I was churning back and forth. How could I possibly quit? I feel like a failure. I feel like a loser. I went on a walk with my older sister, Lisa, one of my dearest and best friends, lifetime friends. And she said, it sounds like your heart is speaking to you. And it sounds like you really need to listen to it. Because if you don't listen to it, over time, maybe you won't be able to hear it at all. And that sounded like wisdom. Um, that really sounded like wisdom. And so over the course of the next several weeks, we made the decision to leave, quit my job. And I didn't have another job lined up, but I moved um, to back to Minneapolis. And my wife, Mary, and I moved into my parents' basement. I felt like a total loser. I was 32 years old, killing it at life. <laughs> That's how you define moving back into your parents' basement at age 32 when you're married. Um, but I now, full, and that was, that was, gosh, you guys, that was almost 20 years ago now. And I really feel like that was the right decision, that I made the right decision. Uh, and it was about listening to my inner wisdom. My heart, my soul, something deep in me was speaking, was begging me to do something to protect something inside of me that was feeling like it was being pushed underwater, you know? And so, but again, how do you know that that is what you need to do? Like when it comes to leaving something, leaving a relationship, ending a relationship, ending a job, um, but any, any kind of decision that you have to make that you sense something deep down is saying something to you. And when do you listen to it? Uh, when do you call that voice fear and not listen to it? You know, because again, sometimes it is fear. Sometimes, sometimes the heart is deceitful. <laughs> sometimes you, you, you don't really know what you need or what you're saying. So how do you know? Well, there's this really fascinating story called The 18th Camel. And I read it first in this book called The Sacred Enneagram of Belonging. But it essentially is an ancient story that goes like this. There was this man whose fortune really was his herd of camels. and But he suddenly died. But in his will, he had explained exactly how his camels should be divided up because he had three sons. And... In his will, it said that uh, fully a half of the camels should go to the oldest son, and then a third of the camels should go to the middle son, and then a ninth of the camels should go to the youngest son. The problem is that when he died, there was only 17 camels. So as soon as he died and the boys heard the will read, they kind of started arguing and, and scratching their heads and trying to figure out how in the world do you divide you know, like, what's one half of 17 when you're talking about live camels? Uh, what's a ninth of 17? What's a third of 17? And they got extremely distraught. They didn't know what to do. 
and it escalated and they were fighting and it came it became so heated that they stopped speaking to each other and so finally they agreed to go to a wise old woman in the community and tell her of their problem uh, they gave her the right to arbitrate the dispute and to dictate a solution and so she said this i am old and i only have one camel but i am unable to ride it anymore so why don't you just take my camel then you'll have 18 camels and you can divide them up among the three of you. So the boys were thrilled because now it worked. I mean, the math works. You know, you can do one half of 18. You can do one third of 18. You can even do one ninth of 18. And you don't have to cut up any camels and, and they can follow the, the father's will. So it's interesting if you do the math, though, with 18 camels, uh, one half is nine. Okay, one half of 18 is nine, and one third of 18 is six. Okay, and then one ninth of 18 is two. So if you do that math, nine plus six plus two equals 17. So they were able to solve the dispute, everyone is happy. And they were even left with one extra camel. So they gave it back to the wise old woman. Problem solved. <laughs> so what are we to learn about listening to your inner wisdom about this funky story from the 18th camel? Well, I think number one um, is the reality that the, there just are times that you feel like there's a problem that you simply can't solve. No matter how much you listen or talk, no matter how much you go back and forth with people you love or even uh, praying, listening to yourself, there are sometimes problems that are so intense that you cannot solve them without outside help. And so I think that's, you know, listening to your inner wisdom involves sometimes approaching other people that you trust aren't going to try to dictate to you what to do based on their motivations or their agenda for you. They're going to listen. And if they're wise and if they're helpful, they're going to give you something, a piece of wisdom that's going to unlock a solution for you that you just couldn't see. They're going to give you that 18th camel. And in so doing, uh, it's going to look like they're sacrificing something, but at the end of the day, everybody wins, you know? So I think listening to your inner wisdom involves soliciting the wisdom of others, but it's people that you trust are going to treat you and your issue, your problem, uh, in ways that works toward your whole good and not based on their agenda, not based on what they think you should do, not based on what they think they should do, but what's, what's truly beneficial for the whole. But then number two, there's something in this story that I love that, you know, at the end of the day, um, they still, they divide up the, eight, the, the 17 camels in, way, in a way that is exactly according to their father's will, 
and in a way that's totally satisfying. Um, so in a way, they already had what they needed. Nothing actually changed from the beginning to the end other than they sort of borrowed this camel in order to solve their problem, but then they gave it immediately back. And so they had everything they needed within them. I mean, like, it still ended up being 17 camels. What they were given from their father was exactly what they needed. And so there's something in that that, like, Yes, we need the wisdom and perspective of the other. But at the end of the day, when we res what we re when it's really wisdom and when it's really given out of a pure spirit, it's given to us in, in, in such a way that we can give it back when we've received from it. Just like the 18th camel, just like they gave back that 18th camel. They didn't keep it. There's a way in which true and, and pure wisdom uh, is like a boomerang. You give it away and then you get it back. And on the receiving end, you don't, you don't take it now that it's yours. You, you simply borrow it in a way that it helps you to really see what you already have and carve out a solution based on what you already have, what's already in you. And so I do think that the heart is deceitful sometimes. Sometimes I don't know what I should do. Sometimes I don't know how to listen to my inner voice. But that doesn't mean that someone else's voice gets to trump my inner voice. There, there, there is an inner wisdom that has what it needs and knows what it needs. And if I can just slow down long enough to listen to that inner voice, then... I can, I can know what to do. So again, I think first of all, when you're faced with one of these decisions that you don't know what to do, first of all, yeah, seek some, seek some wisdom elsewhere from a trusted voice that isn't going to try to make you do something according to their agenda, but according to what's really and truly good. But then realize that any wisdom that you receive is just there to unlock your inner wisdom. And you don't now, like the wisdom that, that the boys got from this older woman, again, it, it, it was just there to unlock their deep and true wisdom that they already had. And then they were able to give it back. And so the gaining of wisdom isn't now like replacing your inner wisdom with someone else's inner wisdom. You just borrow their wisdom for a little while, as long as it takes you to unlock what you already have, what you already know, so that you can really listen to that inner voice, that inner spark where the divine resides in your truest self, your truest soul. Um, I really think that's true. But then lastly, I think so many times when we get stuck, um, we get stuck because we're looking at choosing one out of two options. And it, it, it turns out that the brain, when it is only given two options, it, it, it gets stuck in a dualistic pattern of good and bad, right and wrong, uh, you know, safe or dangerous, uh, true or false. So when you can expand out your choices to more than two things, um, more than stay or go, more than quit or, 
and be free or hang your head and suck it up and, and, and stay. If you can devise a third true choice, at least one more choice, then what you find is your mind can expand and get unstuck. It, it can move away from the dualistic patterns. Like, um, you know, even back to my example of leaving the job, I think it was good that I left that job. And I think it was good, the process that I had made, but I did choose between staying or going. And I wonder if there might've been a third reality, a third option that would have enabled me to choose an even wiser path that may have involved leaving, but leaving in a different way, or it might've involved staying, but staying in a different way. Um, again, I think it was right to leave. What I wonder about though, is could I have left, but left in a different way? Cause I left with a whole lot of shame. I still left with my head, um, down and I left feeling like I left without much dignity, you know? So I think, you know, if you're in this place where you are feeling stuck and you, and you don't know what to do, uh, think about the story of the 18th camel. Think about it in terms of wisdom that you may need to borrow in order to unlock the truest, deepest sense of who you are and, and what you really think and believe. And um, I hope that you can learn to listen to your deep inner wisdom, that voice that really is speaking truth, that deepest, truest you. Uh, I think that's where the divine resides. I think that's where the divine speaks to us. And I think we can trust it. Um, that doesn't mean we can trust every single instinct we have, every single gut feeling we have. I, I don't think that's what that means. But I do think there's an inner wisdom that we can trust. So my friends, um, may you go in the wisdom of your deep inner self, which is guided by the divine, which, is, which resides in your truest soul, your truest self. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.